about 22 years ago, Kason just now mentioned, we started a church. And uh, so those days were very different. We were a very young and a very small church and uh, we don't have a lot. I, uh, I was very free because church only had 20 people. So I literally got nothing to do every day in the daytime. Uh, all my members were a student 22 years ago. I have to wait for them to finish school before I can do Bible study, prayer meeting, reach out to them, go mama with them. Everything happens at night. So I, uh, I will spend all the waking hours sleeping. Uh, I will sleep until afternoon because really nothing to do. And I tried to look busy, but still nothing to do. So one day, I woke up with this fear in my heart and I thought, man, there was going to be one day, it will be a big payback time. So I kind of like got scared, repented. And I, what I did was I started writing what we call devotional. Today, if you're a new friend, you've gotten the book. Some of those devotionals were a result of those days when I slept too much and I started writing that. And it was very funny because we were a small church. So we would photocopy whatever that I've written, cut them into strips, and then distribute to every church member that comes to church. So those days we were quite brutal. Uh, if you don't come to church, we won't give it to you. All right, man, that's the spirit. Like, you don't come to church, you don't get this. So slowly by slowly, the church started to grow and there were more and more people coming, up to about 30 to 40 people coming. The girl that was in charge of cutting the paper into strips told me, say, Pastor, I quit. I'm not going to help you cut anymore. There's so many people coming to church now. You go and print a book. I'm like, wow, that's pretty daring. Ask the pastor to go and print a book and uh, don't cut anymore. Wow, it took you guys a while. <laughs> yeah, new, new on the job, right? Last time, last time I died. Eh? <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry guys, in-house joke. Um, there's a transfer of department from one department to another to bring this thing out. You see, saying it. We have a staff meeting afterwards, okay? And so, and so, we, so she quit uh, cutting those strips. Now I have to go and find a way to print the book. I want you to know we had no money. When I say we had no money, we had like no money. My bank account was always like a couple of hundred bucks and that was all I had. So I somehow one day bumped into a Christian printer and uh, I said, Sir, if you are kind enough to help me print this book, I would truly appreciate it. So devotional was 120 days in the first book. But I have a little problem. He asked me, what's the problem, pastor? I say, I want to print a book, but I have no money. Hey, look at me. Oh, that's not new. <laughs> Common in church. Uh, I say, but if I sell, I will pay. So he said, okay, don't worry about it. Uh, let's pray that you will sell the book. So I printed the book and I don't know what got into me. Uh, so full of faith, I printed 1,000 books. And uh, the night before the book came out, I had a nightmare. I had a nightmare where the books were not sold. And uh, I saw people like at home, their tables were not even they put the, my book underneath to stabilize the table. And then I have all kinds of like, people would tear the book and, you know, put it somewhere because 
I got that nightmare. So anyway, uh, the church was about 100 people by then. So the book was printed and I started selling them. And, you know, it's encouraging. Some of them knows that it's going to be tough. I need to sell at least 300 books to cover the cost. So they, oh, pastor, I want to buy one for myself, buy one for my mother, buy one for my father, buy one for my auntie. Wow. So it started selling, started selling. This is quite a while ago. And uh, one day, for some reason, unknown to human minds, the star called me. Nobody, I mean, I, nobody. Called me and say, oh, we heard you wrote a book. Would you like your book to be featured in the newspaper? Man, those days, how many of you read newspaper now? Okay, don't raise your hand, okay? All right. Those days, I was like, wow. So they interviewed me and talked about my book. Man, I felt like a superstar. And, but the point of the story is not all this, okay? This is where I'm getting to. So, the long story short, I sold almost all the books. Paid the printer. Wait, wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, whoever started clapping can claim another free book afterwards, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I printed the printer. I got some money left. And with the money left, this is what I did. I went to buy an air ticket to Sydney. And after that, the money that was little that was left went to a diamond store, which I don't want to tell you what, and bought a tiny, petite, little, super invisible ring so that that night I could fly to Sydney with the help of my brother-in-law, reach Sydney at about six o'clock in the morning, took a cab, went to my brother-in-law's house, uh, not my brother-in-law at that time, my best friend. That was the last day he was my best friend. And not on the, the door of my girlfriend's dance room. She was still sleeping. Now, if you do not know how to do it, this is not a bad idea. And then she was sleeping on the floor <laughs> for some reason. So I naturally have to kneel down because I can't be standing up. And say, good morning, dear. She say, what are you doing here? I said, I want to marry you. She said, sure. Ta-da! End of story. Why do I tell you this story? Because today is a yes day. Everybody say today is a yes day. Today is a day you say yes to God. Today is a day where we all respond to God because of something God has given to all of us. If that little adventure of my life is so important, I want you to know what I want to do, say to you in a short while. It's also very, very important, if not more. Today, it's what in our church is called Vision and Pledge Sunday. What, what is this day all about? It is a day where we learn about why are we here together in the same place? Why are we a church? And what is the importance of us being a church? Is church just a place where we come and sing some song, feel good about ourselves, uh, give a little offering and then just go home? Is the church just a place where we socialize, meet people? Is church just a place where I have to come? Because that's what my parents used to tell me. Well, today is a day where we come to church and say yes to God. Because we want to know what, is the, what are the works that God's doing and how can we participate together to do this work of God. 
And before I go further, I want to explain something what today is not. Today is not the day for you to come and hear the vision of the pastor or the vision of the church. All this while, we always think that when we come to Vision Sunday, it is the pastor telling the church what is the vision that the pastor wants the church to do. And for many years, I always believed that. And so it becomes very stressful at the end of every year when everyone is celebrating Christmas and having their Christmas parties. I will be locked somewhere in a room praying and seeking God and saying, God, the year is coming to an end. Help me. I need a new vision. It always feels like my human responsibility because so many people come to church. It's not just here. We have about 200 people in the Chinese service running right now. We have another about 100 people in the Indonesian service. And I've got so many of you here in the hall this morning. I, feel, I felt responsible that I need to come up with something compelling that the church got to do because the pastor has a vision. And it's a scary thing. If you are a leader in any capacity, the scariest thing you ever hear from anyone is that, wow, this company I'm with is directionless. This company like got no vision or people come to church and feel that, wow, this church has got no vision. What am I supposed to do? And so because of all that expectation on me, it felt like this is something that I got to do every year. You know, some years we had a clear plan and vision and I feel good about it because the church knows what to do. But some years it's nothing. And then you're not allowed to goreng. You know what's goreng now? You're not allowed to repeat the last year's vision because then people say, oh, it's not fresh. But you know what? Mindset, it's a very powerful thing. It is a double-edged sword. Whatever you've been told, whatever you think that that is the thing that you will do, you should do, you will think and believe that that was right until there is a new mindset to replace that earlier mindset that now you know it was not accurate anymore. Are you with me? And I thought, it is my sole responsibility to come out with a vision to tell the church what to do, how to do it, and what is our strategy. But you know what? Today is not the day for you to come to this place to listen to the vision of the pastor. Today is not the day for you to come and listen to the vision of the church printed on the wall somewhere. Today is a day when, when that morning, I opened my Bible and I read John chapter 17 when Jesus says, as you have sent me into the world, I sent you into the world. I want to give you a context of what was happening in John chapter 17. From chapter 13 onwards, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, He was preparing them and telling them, hey, you know what? The time is up that I will leave this place. The disciples couldn't understand it. They thought Jesus was the Savior, was the Messiah of the universe. And now He is slowly telling them, I am leaving. I am not going to be here any longer. So I'm preparing you for what is ahead. Can you imagine Peter? Peter was like, dude, you, you can't leave. I saw my boat. You told me from this point onwards. I will not be fishermen, but fishers of men. I had no more boat. I can't work anymore from this day onwards. Well, what, what do you mean you're not going to be around anymore? But you know, in those days, 
that's not much of a career choice. He was a fisherman because his father was a fisherman. His father was a fisherman because his grandfather was a fisherman and it was his grandfather who owned the boat in the first place. Are you guys with me? And now people are panicking. They're like, where are you going? They couldn't cope. And Jesus was preparing them from chapter 14, 15, 16 and up to chapter 17. Then Jesus said, as you have sent me into the world, who is the you? That's God. God sent Jesus into the world and now Jesus said, I have sent them into the world. What is Jesus trying to tell us? Jesus was trying to tell us there was an assignment that God has given him. Assignment that God has assigned Jesus to do in the first place. But because Jesus will soon suffer death on the cross to be resurrected and ascended into heaven and he will not be here physically on earth anymore, it is now our job because God has sent me, now I'm sending you. Today as Vision Sunday, it's not for you to hear what the pastor wants you to do. This is not my vision. This is a collective mandate that God expects everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that this is what God wants you to do and that you includes me. It is something that God wants me to do. So what are we to do? When God gave Jesus the assignment, He was to tell people about what is eternal life. And what is eternal life? It is very interesting that growing up, we all think that eternal life is a life that begins after we die. But actually, it is not. In John chapter 17, let's go to your Bible, all right? I, I don't think it's on the screen. In John chapter 17, if you don't have a Bible app, give your neighbor a smile. See if the neighbor will share with you. John chapter 17. You guys there? After Jesus said this, He looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted Him authority over all people that He might give eternal life to all those you have given Him. So Jesus' assignment was to be given the authority to give eternal life to everyone that God had given Him. Now, this is eternal life. Listen. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is not a life that begins after we die. Eternal life is a life that begins the moment we have God in our lives. When we know that there's only one true God and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What was the work? The work was the authority given to Jesus so that people will understand what is eternal life. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. That is eternal life. And so as a church, our collective mandate is to be sent by Christ into the world to tell others about the beauty of eternal life, about the joy of a life in God. How many of you, you're a believer, you agree with me that there's so much beauty 
in a life of walking with Jesus. They have so much to discover, like not much joy. Hello? Then the neighbor say, ask them got joy or not. If this side not saying yes, turn to the other side. Maybe you get a better chance. Are you with me? It is a great life to have Christ in us. And so many unexpected stuff. Of course, it is not rosy and smooth sailing every day. But there is the privilege and the joy to come to understand the God, the creator of the universe. The God that created everything. This morning when you came to church, our worship leaders introduced to us who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us. It's what the Bible tells us when you become a Christian. Can you imagine the God of the universe, the God who created the sun, the moon and the stars and all the galaxies of all the places in the world chose to live on the inside of you? I want you to know that this is something that God can use your life for when you have Jesus on the inside of you. Yesterday, we had a whole day of... Uh, Leaders gathering to just prepare everybody for the year. And one of the things that I say to all the leaders is, this year is going to be divine. Everybody say divine. It has got to be divine moments in our lives. Divine means God using us to speak a word into somebody's life. God using us so that we understand how to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. I want all of us, because sometimes the Christian faith has been reduced to just knowledge and understanding. That God that is seemingly alive in you is seemingly dead because you don't allow God to use you and to speak through you so that you can be a blessing to others. Before we started church this morning, we were at the cafe out there. And uh, this morning when I came to church at about eight something, I saw a couple in a car park. I want you to know a lot of people know the pastor, but the pastor doesn't know a lot of people. Sometimes I walk around the mall, hey, hi. I like, hi. Then my wife asked me, who is it? Do you think I know? <laughs> I don't know. But this morning, it was the same moment. This couple came out of the car and uh, they came so early, I thought they must be church leaders. Hi. I also, hi. And I came in, we have huddle, we prayed, and then I walk out, walk everywhere. Hey, I saw the couple. They don't look very familiar with church. So I told Jin, hey, where did Jin go? I told Jin, I said, Jin, I think they're new friend. Should I walk up to him or not? And uh, I said, you know what? You don't go, I go. And I went to speak to them. And the wife told me, so where did you go? And uh, and the wife told me, well, we were hoping that you will say hi to me because we are new. Life is not very complicated. Just little moments when you know you've been obedient to the voice of God and you do it. And in the short little time that we had chatting, it was so meaningful. This is the beauty of God living on the inside of us. Don't, don't, like, but, but you'll be very miserable. After become a Christian, Sunday morning, I cannot go dim sum anymore. <laughs> I have to wake up. It's my only sleep-in day. 
Is sleeping in more important? Think about it. Are you all with me? It's very miserable becoming a Christian. So many things cannot do. Cannot do this, cannot do that. Wrong focus. You got to focus on the bigger life that God has given to every one of us and everybody say, are you guys with me today? So Jesus has sent us into the world collectively. How is this expressed in our church? How is this expressed in this congregation? Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. So Jesus was in the synagogue and he opened up the scroll and started to read from the scripture from prophet Isaiah. In verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus read and said, the Spirit of God has come upon him to anoint him, to infuse him with the Spirit of God, to do what? Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, and to also set the oppressed free. You know what, church? Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19 was Jesus' job description. That was the assignment that He was asked by God to do. And if that was Jesus' assignment, and today we are here to hear the vision of Jesus, the role of Jesus, the work of Jesus, it is not my vision. Therefore, this has got to be the job description of our church. This is the spiritual job description of our church as we continue the assignment that was first given to Jesus and now entrusted upon us. Number one, good news to the poor. Liberty is the ability to choose the kind of life you want to live. But poverty without choice is a curse. Liberty is the ability to choose the kind of life you want to live, but poverty without choice is a curse. You cannot find pleasure in seeing the poor, having nothing to eat, no place to live. You cannot think that that is a good thing. I have been through some of the toughest places in the world. When I was young and idealistic, I went to a mission trip in India. And in that mission trip, I, I was so gung-ho. I was like, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. I'm going to preach because I want to be a mighty preacher. So I went from home to home in the squatters in India. So I went to this lady's home and I knocked on the door and said, Ma'am, I am here bearing good news of God. And then she said, oh, that's great. So what is the good news? I said, I want to tell you about Jesus. Within five seconds, I believe in Jesus already. Okay, no problem. Wow, that's easy. And then she asked me the next question. That's not hard. The hard thing is this. In two weeks' time, the river will swell and our house will be flooded and I have no place to go. What are you going to do for me? What is Jesus going to do for me? I was stunned. I thought, wow, in our desire to preach the gospel, there are more 
basic needs that people struggle with. When I play with the children, you know, they, the, the little, it's not even a stream, like a flow of water in between the mud that cuts through the mud and the waters were black. And the kids would play around that and they would scoop up the water and put onto the little toy car, the little truck. And then I saw another girl, she was just dip a toothbrush into those black God knows what's inside the water and started brushing her teeth. I want you to know poverty without choice is a curse. And I'm very aware. I'm very aware of this because when I was growing up as a little, in a, during my primary school days, I wasn't a bad student. I was from Chinese school kindergarten. Those of you who do not think I know Chinese, I know all the five words that they taught me. Tian, San, Sui, Huo, Cao. Finish. Five words. I know. I know my Chinese. And, uh, but when, we, when I was supposed to go to primary one, I was supposed to go to a good primary one. But for some reason, unknown to my mom, even my mom and me, my dad didn't send me to that school. I was qualified. He sent me to the school next to the house. He said, it's convenient, maybe. I want you to know in the school that I grew up with, there were only four Chinese for the six years I was there. And I was introduced to poverty. Yes, the picture you're seeing, it's my school, St. Mary's Labuk Sandakan in Sabah. Do you know? A lot of people doesn't even know this school exists until today. And I was introduced to poverty. I will have friends that have never studied, family who has known nothing. I remember one time they invited me to their house to play. And uh, it was in a kampung setinggan. You know what's kampung setinggan? I don't know what's the English word for. What is Squatters, squatters, that's where they live. To go to my friend's house, I have to pass through somebody's living room, kitchen, another lorong, another corridor before I get to their house. I say, is this how you go home every day? Oh yeah, this is how I go home. But you just walk through somebody's living room. Yeah, it's okay. They understand. If they will never get education, they will always remain poor. The church of God must do everything in our capacity we can. After being a pastor for so many years, I'm more convicted now than ever before that we should pull our resources together to build schools. Schools that comes with good values. Schools that will transform the way they think so that they will break away from the cycle and the curse of poverty. But this is not somebody's job. We need, we need all of us to understand that good news to the poor is breaking that cycle of poverty in their lives. The second thing that Jesus said he was tasked to come here to do was to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. To us, prisoners don't mean much today because, well, doesn't really mean anything unless you have been a slave or imprisoned before. But when Jesus said, I'm here to proclaim freedom to prisoners because the children of Israel have been slaves in Egypt for many, many years and they know the pain and the bondage of being used by Pharaoh to do what Pharaoh wanted to do, to achieve, yet they have no part in it. And so that was what the Bible was saying, that Jesus has come so that he can proclaim freedom to the prisoners. 
where they are no longer, but in today's application, that people no longer bound by sin. People are no longer bound by torture in their mind, emotionally, mentally, and physically. That's a prison the modern world is being introduced to. It is not easy for me to constantly hear people struggle with their mental health and it is tough and they cannot get out of it. I know the pain of going through that. You know, even as a pastor, when I came to a place in my life when it was so difficult, when things were not just not working, I, I was embarrassed because sometimes I remember I was the one who used to say things like that to other people. Don't worry. You know what? There will always be light at the end of the tunnel. But there are no light, I said. Pastor, don't worry. If there's no light, it's because the tunnel is not coming to an end yet. But I was in pain. I couldn't sleep. I was mentally tortured. And I don't like that. And I know it's not just medication. Nothing wrong with medication. But we need hope in Jesus Christ. And everybody say, are you with me? We need hope. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And this is what Jesus came to do. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. God has called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. God has called us out of paint into recovery. God has called us out of mental torture into understanding because Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, that you may have it abundantly. And that's God. God wants you to experience what it is like to live a life with God. And now that we who are followers of Jesus understand this, then you need to know the importance of telling others what that life in Christ is all about. And so here at Collective, how do we express this part of Jesus' spiritual description for us? Is that in our church, we have what we call Collective Global. Everybody say with me, Collective Global. Collective Global is our church planting initiative um, our church planting pastor, Pastor Keith, is not here. He's at home. Uh, hi. Those of you who are watching online, please say hi to him uh, because after three years, he's a, he's a slow adopter. He got COVID, all right? Uh, some of us already had it twice and he just got it for the first time. Bless you, bro. Take care. And Collective Global, it's our church planting initiative. It is our responsibility, our part of the job, to help pastors to be in fellowship, to help pastors to take care of them so that wherever they are, God has called them to be. We are here to help each other. Not just we helping them, but they helping us. I have Pastor George that is actively helping all these pastors to walk with God and to teach them how to look after their churches. And this is, this part, is to care for the spiritual being of everyone. The church planting, church, the kingdom of God, it's where we care for the spiritual need of everyone. Today, we have 14 churches in our collective global fellowship from India to the Philippines 
and from Taipei to Jakarta. But you know what, church? We are not pushing a brand. Nothing wrong with a brand. We have friends who are experts in marketing in our church. But church is different. We are not pushing like, all right. So in 2017, when, when God first gave us the idea to look after pastors from different parts of the world, I wanted, personally, I wanted to change all the names of the churches that were under us. Under us. Penang should not call City Light anymore. They should call Collective Penang or Collective Johor or Collective Jakarta or Collective Sandakan or Collective Taipei or... Did I say Jakarta already? Jakarta, India or Pune, wherever they may be. Collective Malacca. Wow! That's the pastor's vision. Isn't that awesome? I walk around also bangga. Proud. Wow! Collective Penang also yours. Ah. Oh. Allah, of course, you have collective Taipei. You can speak Chinese, Abbas, can. But you know what? It was in that meeting, I suddenly realized that, hey, suddenly it's becoming about me, not about Jesus anymore. I wanted to build a name for myself. I wanted to build a brand and it was at that moment, I just felt rebuked and I said, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. Don't change name. You should carry the dream, the vision that God has given for Penang for you to do. Go name yourself City Light. Keep it. We want to take care of the mental capacity for people to proclaim good news to the poor. We want to proclaim liberty to the prisoners by having churches that are healthy, that will truly look after people and help people to walk with Jesus. And number three, and with this, I draw to a close. And that's the recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. Can I have... And yeah, we have schools and we have churches. What is recovery of sight to the blind? To me, the interpretation and the expression of this for our church is how God has given us the opportunity to have our first clinic in Submit Core Clinic Outre. And Dr. Andrew is here. Dr. Andrew, can you stand? That's Come on, let's give Dr. Andrew a big, big hand. Through our tree, it is our goal to ensure the physical well-being of a person is taken care of. The mental well-being of a person is taken care of. This is the most basic, isn't it? To get your vaccination. It's the most basic thing in life to make sure that you're healthy. You, you can have a big dream in your life. You can imagine world domination. But if you're sickly and you can't even get out of your house, there's nothing you can do. And so I come to realize that the full gospel of Jesus Christ takes care. Takes care of the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional well-being of a person. So, if this is what Jesus was called to do, I pray all of us will understand and catch this, that this is also what we want to do. Not because this is our church style. This is the pastor's vision. This is so far from my vision. My vision 
in life is very simple. Give me quiet days and I'm a happy man. Isn't it strange that the biggest motivation for me is to have quiet days, to spend time with my family, but of course I have to work, otherwise I have no money. But if I can do anything in life, it is to spend time with my family every day. That's why you'll find me, nothing wrong if you are different from me, okay? But that's why you'll find me loving cooking at home. I honestly do not know whether I'm a good cook because my family had no choice. Now Papa cook already eat. Uh, eat. But that's me. But when I came to know God and understood that this is a responsibility now that God has given to me, I cannot just do what I like. I do what I am entrusted to. Church, I want to tell you this today. For the first time, and officially, not in small groups, I want to wake up with a 300 million problem. I don't mind waking up with a 300 million problem. What is that problem? Because I want to build hospitals. About 15 years ago, out of nowhere, Keith and I were invited to Russia to speak to a group of medical students. We were not sure. Russia. And we were young. We were game. My baby was one. Going to a place from 35 degrees Celsius overnight to Moscow, minus 28. Doesn't matter. Come on. Let's do this. And I would be introduced for the next five, seven years to a group of Malaysians studying in Moscow to become doctors because it was cheaper to study there. And I, I was introduced to this amazing bunch of smart people, determined, resilient, not going to die no matter what. We, rain a bit, good day to sleep. True or not? We, hot a bit, hiya, go home. It's a good day to sleep, too hot outside. But they have to breathe through the metro at minus 30 because it's exam season. And I stood there and I see hundreds of the, all these doctors sitting in front of me. I say, God, it cannot be random. It cannot be an accident that I'm here speaking to all these doctors. That they could have done anything else in life. Why would they come to Moscow to just get a medical certification so that they can become doctors. It cannot just be for a career. It must be a calling in their lives. And so we pound, we went, one team after another, we go and build relationship with all the students. But 15 years later, they have graduated. Many of them are now all over Malaysia, heard the gospel, understood the assignment that God has given to every one of us. And Dr. Andrew was the first one. And then when he came back, yes, they're so smart. Their brains are like wired differently from us. And he came to me, Pastor, I want to work in the church. In my heart, yes. In my mind, Xiao Alu. Why do you want to work here? Then he told me, Pastor, remember when we were walking in a mall in Moscow? And you told me the dream, the work that we can do together. 
I'm in. I said, you know what? When he first came in, we had no clinic. We had no plan. We just came and we opened our first clinic. But today I want to tell you, I want to wake up with a 300 million problem because I learned to build a hospital. The budget is based on per bed. How many beds you want? 50 beds, 50 million. And I pray that all of us together, we will help realize the recovery of sight to the blind in our generation. Because this is not what one person can do. This is what all of us collectively can do. I pray God will use us to build holistic hospitals. Hospitals where if you're sick, it will really help you recover. But our hospitals are exhausted. Our hospitals are tired. Too many people. I remember, I was very grateful when, when my eye was having a big problem. I had to go to UM and I just grateful that I can seek treatment. But you know those days, I had to wait for three hours, four hours for my treatment. And it's not like the doctors were not good. They just don't have enough capacity anymore. I want all of us, not my vision, not my legacy, but if Jesus was called to bring recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free, I pray having hospitals is a way for us to express that. This year, I want us to start to focus on that. So in collective, based on what Jesus did, three things we will do. We will build schools, we will start hospitals, and we will plant churches. If we just focus our lives in doing these three things, we will take care of an entire person. Before we give, before we prepare our hearts, it was in that school, that obscure school that I learned about poverty, but it was in that school that I was first introduced to God because it was a Catholic school. The teacher would make me memorize Bible passages. But as a personal story today, when I was a, a kid, when I was two, three, I was a very sickly boy because I was asthmatic. In those days, asthma did not have a lot of way of treating. So I, I many nights, sitting on the side of the bed, I thought I would die. I just couldn't breathe. And my mom would give me the inhaler. And those days, we had no nebulizer. These days, you can even have a home unit, portable home unit nebulizer. But my time when I was a child, there wasn't anything like that. And I still remember one time, it was so bad that my, both my parents thought that I was going to die. The doctor gave us jab three times a day as a six-year-old because my mom was a nurse. So instead of coming to the hospital, uh, ma'am, you jab your son yourself. Oh, I hated my mom like three times a day for a week because my lungs were so weak. And then my mom would bring me to the hospital because she was so desperate. I would never be even be waiting at the clinic. 
she will just lock me in the hospital and see whichever doctor that is rounding the ward and say, doctor, doctor, can you just help, you know, look at my son? He was so ill and I'll just follow my mom. <sighs> I was dying and, and the doctors will, okay, this is the doctor and he will treat you and he will prescribe medication for you. You know what? Life is strange, but beautifully strange. One day, I invited Pastor Philip to speak at our church. Pastor Dr. Philip. So I invited him to speak. And then my mom saw the brochure. My mom said, wow, you invited Dr. Philip to your church. He's a pastor now? I said, yeah, yeah, he's a pastor. You know who is he or not? I said, mom, please lah. I'm a pastor lah. I know how to invite my guests. Of course, I know who is he. So my mom said, who is he? Pastor Philip lah. Who is he? I said, Pastor Philip. I said, then my mom said, stupid boy. Probably the only person in the world that have the courage to call me stupid boy. Stupid boy. Pastor Philip was the doctor that I used to lock you around the hospital when you were sick. He was the doctor that have been taking care of you. And today, my mom said, you didn't die because of him. It's a full circle. The doctor became a pastor. I want us to know not too many things in life can be as beautiful as us helping somebody in that manner. This year, we want to raise 1.5 million ringgit. There's our tree, which is our medical clinic. We are hoping to raise 500,000, but from the church, we are hoping to raise 300,000 so that I will find other ways to raise another 200,000 so that this clinic will continue to be influencing lives. But they're making money. Some of you think, Pastor, they're making money. Why do we still need to support them? I want Dr. Andrew to keep making money because he has to pay the doctors. But the money that we raise is for us to do community work, reaching out to refugees to look after kids' vaccination and pregnant ladies and supplements and vitamins to help them as they go through their pregnancy. And that's why our church, we want to raise 300,000. And we need more actually, but we will just start with 300. Doctor, I'll find the 200 together with you. That's number one. Number two, it's a bring a light mission. We want to raise 150,000 this year to bring light. I, I come from Sabah and I'm very proud to be a Sabahan. But it shocked me one day when I found out that there were villages in Sabah that never had electricity from the creation of the universe until now. It is 2023 and there are still villages in our country that never had power and electricity. So 150,000 ringgit is for us to run three trips. In the last couple of years, we have lighted up 500 homes. And it's not just Sabah. We want to be able to do more, but that's where we got started. And this year, I pray God will use us to lit up more homes with 150,000 so that we can bring at least three teams out to accomplish this mission. Thirdly, it's our collective kids. Come on, let's give 
all the parents and all the children a big, big hand. 20 years ago, all of us were students. Today, we have more than 100 children in our church. We want, we want to redo up all the classrooms and the playground and the lobby. The, we have used the space for 12 years now. The place is tired and it's getting old. I just want our children to grow up in a better environment, better facility, so that they know coming to church is fun. Coming to church, they can learn more about God. And that's the 300,000 that we want to raise. And last but not least, the last 50% is the loan repayment of this building. We want to raise 750,000 ringgit to pay for the loan for 2023. And I'm very happy to say to you today, it used to be all our future giving is given to the building. But now we are able to do other works. And I pray as a church, we will continually be able to do this so that God can use us even more. So come end of this year, we will be left with 3.6 million of the bank loan. But I don't want to wait until we pay up everything before we do something else. I want all of us to have a greater capacity so that we can do this work for God together. And everybody say, so now I hope you understand why we are raising this. This is above and beyond our weekly giving and our weekly offering. This is future giving, giving to the future, giving for the betterment of humanity, giving to take care of somebody's emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual health. Giving so that our doctors, and I pray, I pray, there is a potential for us to start another clinic in Penang right now. And then there's another potential for us to start another clinic in downtown KL. I pray one day with all these clinics everywhere, I will combine everyone and we will build one amazingly beautiful hospital to really take care of those who need medical attention. I want our ashes to give out the pledge card. We have not been doing this for a while, so I just want to make sure the instructions are clear, so don't rush. All right, let's take our time. Let me just give the whole, yeah. And this is how we're going to do it with the 1.5 million if, okay, you hold the card first. I know there's a lot of things to see, right? Okay. After you have gotten the card, look at pastor, okay? Look at pastor. <laughs> it's like, wow. Say 300 people in our church give this year, the giving strategy. 300 of, 300 of us will give 5,000 ringgit for the next 10 months, we would have enough to accomplish this work that God has given us to do. But why do I want to tell you 300 people to give 5,000? Because we have to start somewhere. Some of you, you are students. 5,000 is like unimaginable for you. It's like, wow. I never even had 
1,000 in my bank. But that's fine. If you're a student, you start with 1,000 a year, that's the next 10 months, great. Start with 500, it's great. My point is, I want you to get started. To some of us, 5,000, it's just about right. It's a bit of a stretch. It is doable. It is something that I want to do. But to some of us, 5,000 was unthinkable. It's like we could spend 5,000 bucks and we don't even think about it. And so some of us that have greater capacity, we give more. And today, this is what is the most important. The most important thing is collective participation. It is not you being forced to give. Nobody is forced to give. Everyone give out of your free will, out of your own desire, out of what God has put in your heart to give, out of your own desire to give. And this is also not a giving so that you and I can twist God's arm and say, God, I'm going to give this amount to you. You better bless me back. It shouldn't work like that as well because then you are not sincere. But I want us to start praying, to start thinking, to start asking God, can I participate? So today, some of us, we can give. So on the card, there's a future.collective.my. Future.collective.my. You can go to the website. You can go to the giving page. You click at the future part. Okay, you click at the future part. But some of us, you will need to, some time to give the amount that you want to give to God. Whether you are giving today or whether you are doing it on a recurring basis, I will still need you to, on your card, the I, Kevin Liu pledge X amount of money to partner with our church to carry out these ministries in 2023. So we're going to play a video. You take the time, you write the amount, you can start giving if you want. The website is also all there. And then after the video, I will tell you what to do. Is it okay? If you need a pen, because pen is like unknown things these days. If you need a pen, you can raise your hand. Our ushers will give you a pen. Yeah. Thank you guys. Let's roll the video. <laughs> 